as we enter the third week of Lent, we will be exploring the spiritual practice of prayer. But before we do, I would like to share with you a comical piece that uh, I have enjoyed. Uh, Sorry, guys, it's kind of in the female perspective, but I think you could relate to it. Um, But it's a piece that points our sense of insecurity about the ability to pray. Confessions of a prayer wimp. I heard it again today. A radio host introduced his female guest as a real prayer warrior. I cringe with guilt, imagining this saint who has worn out countless pairs of pantyhose on the knee, praying for the lost causes and hopeless cases. This saint whose eloquent prayers alter the course of history, change minds of presidents, and avert disasters. This saint whose diligent prayers inspire prodigals homeward. In her shadow, I feel puny and pathetic. For you see, I am not a prayer warrior at all. I am a prayer wimp. A warrior is on her knees before dawn. She eloquently prays for missionaries on far-off lands as well as the lady next door. She covers international affairs, foreign heads of state, and the members of the city council, all before her first cup of coffee. When the alarm shatters my sleep, my mind muddles through a thick fog. Oh boy, did I survive the night? I must have. Heaven surely would be cleaner than this bedroom. An inkling of gratitude for my family, the stress, even the mess, might sneak in upon me. I even might hear myself mumbling, good morning, Lord, and by the way, thank you. When a warrior's friend calls with a concern, the warrior gently says, let's pray about this, shall we? And then she prays right there, on the phone, out loud. I pity the friends of wimps like me. A call like that becomes a mutual whining session about the tough stuff of life with a promise to pray for each other. Later, when nobody can hear me, I promise I usually forget. A warrior's prayer The warrior's prayers are like symphony. Mine are like jingles. Lord, I deserve a break today. Reach out, reach out and touch me, God. Can you hear me? Oh God, can you hear me? A warrior's prayer time is an elegant, intimate dinner for two. Mine is a fast food run. I'll take a new heart, a new mind, and two orders of patience, please, Lord, and can you make that to go? The Bible says pray without ceasing. Is the Bible joking? In this day and age, run, clean, fuss, fume, and work without ceasing, yes. Organize, stress, agonize, groan, and whine without ceasing, yes. But pray without ceasing? Who has time for that? So, 
I'm a prayer wimp. I have trouble being focused enough, disciplined enough, organized enough, or whatever it is that they are to be a prayer warrior. I am not Wonder Woman, not a warrior. When it comes to praying, I am a wimp. What can I do? Where can I go for help? Is there a stealth, is there a 12-step program for people like me? A place where I could stand before a bunch of strangers and confess, my name is Mary, and I am a prayer wimp. Murmurs of understanding would assure me that I'm not alone. Not one would throw a rock. You know, it's really hard to know what to do. It's even hard to find a prayer warrior who will give me any advice. I've asked friends at church, do you know any prayer warriors? They've given me other people's names. Prayer warriors, I've discovered, don't seem to realize who they are. Anytime I approach one and ask, can you teach me how to pray and to be a prayer warrior like you? They respond, aha, me? A prayer warrior? No way. Prayer warriors often insense, insist that they are wimps, too. One told me, we are just all recruits in God's squad. She suggested that prayer might not be about who we are at all, but who God is. Then she said, God will teach you to pray. You just need to ask God. If that's the case, then the 12-step plan for recovering wimps would be really simple. Step one, say, Lord, teach me to pray. Step two, be quiet and listen. Steps three through 12, repeat steps one and two until you hear differently. <laughs> it sounds simple enough even for a prayer wimp like me. Mary Pierce's essay is a clever and humorous jab at our sense of inadequacy when it comes to prayer. Something that should be so simple seems so enormous and a little threatening. Personally, I have been able to instill fear in people by simply asking if they would be willing to stand up and say a prayer out loud. In fact, I've discovered that it's a great power tool in youth group if you want to present, if you want to make sure that the teenagers stop talking. <laughs> All I have to say is, who would like to pray? Immediately, I can hear a pin drop. <laughs> Hasn't worked with kids yet. Now, I'm not here to display why so many of us, dispel why so many of us are prayer ramps. I'm not here to present a dissertation on the subject of prayer. That would be impossible. For gazillions of workshops have been taught on the subject of prayer. Millions and millions and millions of books have been written on the subject. There is no way that today's message will answer our questions about prayer or make us any prayer experts on the topic. 
And all I have to say to that is, thank God, we don't have to fully understand prayer to pray. However, since prayer is a spiritual practice at the center of the Lenten season, I do intend to use our scripture today, using the Lord's Prayer as the model of how to pray. As scriptures showed us, just before uh, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, we learn that Jesus has just finished his own personal prayer time. A quick read through the Gospels reveals Jesus' habit of spending time alone, setting time aside for prayer, often withdrawing from people, daily activities, and the demands of the ministry to be alone in prayer. Jesus shows us that the discipline of praying is a lifestyle. Prayer is not a spare wheel that you pull out when you're in trouble, but it is the steering wheel that directs our life. Prayer, therefore, should be an extension of everything that we do. It's a way of living that expresses our love for God and others. Just like regular exercise keeps our body healthy and strong and in shape, prayer keeps our spiritual life strong, healthy, and in shape as well. The more you practice, the better you get at it, and the benefits are countless. Next, before teaching his disciples how to pray, Jesus also clarified that when praying, we don't need to pour out a flood of empty words thinking that by using eloquent or poetic language, we will please God a little better. God wants our honest, heartfelt dialogue. What experience has shown me is that, yes, some people have been gifted with eloquent and poetic words when they pray. Amen. It's a blessing. You are moved in so many ways. Meanwhile, I know others who don't have many words to say, but they pray by simply holding your hand, giving you a hug, or just sitting there with you. For some who are most, more introspective and don't have public um, comfort in the privacy of their own homes, they write notes and then say cards in the mail or notes in the email that provide you with comfort knowing that somebody, someone cares for you deeply. Others simply hold you in prayers and thoughts without you even knowing. So prayer is not so much about words, but rather our sincere desire of connecting with God. It's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Now Jesus dives into the Lord's Prayer, and I speculate that Jesus' intention was not, was not necessarily to establish a holy prayer with specific words to be memorized and recited, though that's not bad, but instead I surmise he taught the prayer as a stepping stone, a straightforward model or pattern to pray. As I look at the Lord's Prayer, I see six steps that are pretty distinct. Step number one, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just like dialing the phone or typing in an email address in the computer, prayer is about calling God's presence in our life. How we call God differs. Some of us, the image of Father is very comforting. For others, they might prefer beloved parent, breath of life, eternal spirit, great creator, Mother Earth, Abba, to name a few holy names used to reflect how we shape and how we think about God. Now, each image points to a quality of God that helps us understand how to experience God better. It'll be different for all of us. Though the language can never contain God or give a comprehension or a comprehensive description of God, we are addressing God. We are simply opening ourselves to God's spirit, inviting God into our lives. Important step in prayer. Step two, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In some ways, this is the hardest part of the prayer because it calls us to surrender everything to God's will. What we choose, what we do, how we live needs to be a response to what God is leading and not necessarily to what we think needs to be done. Yes, Jesus did encourage boldness and persistence in prayer. We're encouraged to ask, to seek, to knock. We hold on to those words. In asking, we will receive. In seeking, we will find. And in knocking, the door will be open. Yet, Jesus also knew all too well that not all of his prayers would be answered as he expected or desired. Nonetheless, he put his trust, his full trust in God's grace. Letting go and letting God is not easy. We all want the answers to our prayers to go our way. I want to share a personal experience. Bear with me. My most memorable, meaningful, powerful, and challenging personal experience with this particular aspect of the Lord's Prayer happened seven years ago when I was in Brazil visiting my family. My son Tim was a senior in high school. My daughter Hannah was in eighth grade. We were in Rio visiting my brother and his family. After my brother's work, we all went to the Ipanema Beach to enjoy a dip in the warm ocean. My two kids and their two cousins, a 14-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy, were excited and ready to play in the ocean. So excited about catching waves that the kids were heading a little too far out for the parental comfort. So my brother began to beckon them to come closer to shore. They all did, except the 10-year-old. That is when my brother realized his son was being pulled out to sea by an undertow. He immediately shouted to his wife to seek help while trying to get the others to shore. 
When my son realized that his cousin was in danger, he instinctively went swimming after him, assuming his strong swimming body could help. As I stood at that beach that day, watching the two boys, one being pulled out farther and farther away, the other fighting the waves, pushing desperately to reach his cousin, I realized how little control I had of the situation. I felt hopeless. I didn't know where to get help in a foreign place. All I knew I could do was to rely on the power of prayer. It was obvious to me that God knew what my desperate prayer was for the boys to be saved and be safe. Yet, at the same time, I was very, very, very aware of the strong possibility that one or both boys could possibly drown. I could feel the rush sensation flooding in my body with anxiety and with the horrifying question of what if the worst happened and my prayers were not answered. How would I deal with that? It was then that I pulled myself together and for an amazing unexplainable reason, I truly surrendered my fears to God, and I focused on a different prayer. I dug deep, real deep, with all my strength, and I prayed that no matter what happened, my hope, my prayer, was that the boys could feel at that moment God's love for them and the love of their families. That's all I cared. No matter what they were going through, that they could feel a glimpse and the power of God's love in their life. Over and over, that was my prayer. And I calmly prayed that prayer. I am deeply thankful that I am here to share a happy ending to the story. Both boys were rescued. However, I have often wondered about that day. So many things came into play. Because it was late in the afternoon, all the lifeguards were closing their stations. Only one station had two lifeguards just leaving their post when my sister-in-law reached them to ask for help. Later, they told us how lucky we were. Normally, the station would have already been closed, but they were running a little behind schedule in cleaning the deck, and so they were there. Coincidence or God incidence? I also often wonder if Tim's bravery, though not advisable, but his deep love for his cousin also played an important part in this miraculous rescue. I will never know, but I believe love overcomes. I also ask this. Was my trust in God's love deeper than the next person? That my prayer was answered, but perhaps theirs wasn't? I don't know. All I know is that at that moment, when I surrendered everything to God, 
I felt calm. I felt peaceful. And I was filled with love beyond my comprehension. I have come to realize that I cannot expect my prayers to be dependent on the, on the results that I wish for. I can only hope that through prayer, I can withstand what comes my way with grace, faith, and hope. Prayer is way bigger than who we are. It is a mystery out of our control. Step three, give us this day our daily bread. This step is more than about just food or my personal needs and my requests. Our daily bread implies that we pray, yes, for ourselves, but also for others far and near. Prayer is about our collective communion with God. Voila, witness. <laughs> when we pray for each other and with each other, we are asking, interceding, and sharing God's love and grace as an extension of ourselves and others and the world. Another personal story. When I came to the United States to go to college, I was blessed with a few prayer champions in my life. I knew my parents held me in prayer daily. But I discovered through the weekly letters that my mom sent to me that a gentleman named Sil Luis took upon himself the mission to pray for me each week at church. I came to deeply appreciate that knowledge. Sil Luis was a very simple man, barely with a primary education, who attended my father's church. Yet, each week during prayer time, he would faithfully stand up and say a, heart, a heartfelt prayer out loud in church for me. College was not easy for me, especially the first two years, as I was trying to overcome culture shock, homesickness, and language barriers. Most of you know this, but when I came to the States, I didn't know how to read and write in English. I could speak the language, but I didn't know how to read and write. So college was tough. But knowing that people were praying for me gave me the tenacity and the strength to push through my challenges with faith and the assurance that I was being held by God, thanks in part to several prayer champions. Intercessory prayer works. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We make mistakes, and so do others. This step is about creating wholeness and healing. When we admit, our, admit or confess our brokenness, our wrongdoings, as well as forgiving those who hurt us and wrong against us, we are releasing that which binds us. We are creating space for God's grace in our lives and the lives of others. It works. Step five, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
This sentence can bring so much confusion. And fortunately, it's another sermon for another time. <laughs> this is all I have to say about it. Basically, here we are praying for strength for the journey. We are asking for God's guidance to withstand evil and to lead us into fullness of life, liberating all that is good. A life filled with prayer is like wearing protective guard. It's like holding the steering wheel and wearing a helmet. Finally, step six. This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. This part of the prayer was inserted much later when prayer became um, more significant in the early church's worship experience. For me, this final statement is affirming our delight that God is the source of our creation, our completion, our strength, our song, our silence, our story. By praying through these six steps, I believe that we open ourselves to God and the possibility of God's love to flourish in the world here and now. So here you got it in a nutshell, a brief overview of this extensive subject on prayer. But in summary, prayer is multifaceted. It is a multifaceted gift of devotion to God that invites God into our lives and awakens in us deep spiritual well-being. So, confessions of a prayer ramp. If we were to ask Jesus to teach us how to pray today, I think his response would be, just do it. <laughs>